never say die. Forty going on fourteen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel, and I'm Josh. And you know what the best thing about having a bunch of orphans as assistants is? Turns out they're actually very competent detectives. You thought I was going to make a joke about no parents or poverty. And that's because you're awful and you have pattern recognition. <laughs> I mean... The worst thing is your gruel budget is off the chart. <laughs> Although between the Baker Street Irregulars and Batman, I'm guessing the biggest obstacle to becoming a world-class detective is actually parents. <laughs> I decided I had an A joke and a B joke. I decided to go with both there. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the, the way you build your network is just to go around killing people. <laughs> hey, you're a pretty oh. clever, you're a clever kid. Where's your parents? The greatest mystery they could never solve was where their family was. Aww, that's kind of awful. Because they're dead. Yeah. So this week we are looking at the 1983 Baker Street Boys versus the now canceled Netflix 2000 and was it 20 or 21? 21. 21. It, it was canceled regulars. like weeks after it came out. Yeah, it was canceled like a week after we decided we were going to do the show. Well, because when we decided we were going to do the show, it was number one on Netflix, and it's still like uh, not so long ago was in the top shows. A lot of people are very baffled about its cancellation. Hmm. Must be budgetary. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Josh has information. No, I wish I did. <laughs> really oh, do. Oh, well, all right then. But yeah, so uh, this week, it's all Baker Street. We're doing Sherlock Holmes Part 2. Yeah. So we did the Sherlock Holmes show, but we decided to kind of revisit the topic, but in a different way. Yeah, and I'll totally buy that. Even Holmes here. Yeah. I like I like the idea of digging into the network that Holmes had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess this would be less Holmes here, really. Yeah. Right. Soon we'll be doing the John Holmes show. <laughs> I think you've gone in the wrong direction. Or the right one. Was he it was he wasn't a detective, was he? He was an orphan. <laughs> he, he was a he was a private dick. Oh, oh. his Johnny Wad series, he was a detective of sorts. I'm not sure if you actually know that or are fucking with us. I'm not sure <laughs> I up. want to know. Look it up. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's looking up or we're just having you know, an awkward silence. I don't know. We're going awkward... on 14 and we'll be back after we're done looking yeah, it so up. Yeah, if so you, if you like awkward silences and porn, you probably <laughs> won't find any uh, on the Geek Life Radio. But, but you will if... find us. You'll also find the history of bad ideas. That's sort of like porn. HTML, all the things. You can do that with porn. And the porniest of all, the smorgasbord. <laughs> the smorgasbord. Dun, 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 dun. I know. Dun, I, threw dun, you dun, off. Dun. I didn't mention Rad Dad. And Joel's like, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, side note, if you if you happen to you know have a porn interest, we've discussed the porn show for many, many years. If you would like that, just let us know. Years. If there's any interest in that, we want to know. Because we th- we think that there is no interest in that, but if there is, let us know. Is is that what's holding us back, really? Yeah, I don't. I think that's what Pat thinks. That's what my, Pat and Joel think. Agreed. I agree with Pat on something. Yep. Oh dear God, that's amazing. Well, if you're looking for more of this, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. We are on Podbean, Blueberry, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Podcasts. In any one of those things, you could leave us a review. Let us know what you think, or if you want to go straight to the source, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP, that's 708-669-9727, or if you also want to get into more chatter with us, 
uh, find us on Facebook and click the Contact Us button, and that will give you a link to join us on our Discord channel where there is lively conversation all day. I won't lie. It's all the time. Pretty much. Yeah. More or less. It, it never stops. <laughs> <laughs> what was the What was the big chat for today? Uh, well, we were talking about uh, buying Cars and selling homes. Was. Cars was yesterday. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Buying and selling homes for a while we were talking about. What else were we talking about? We were talking about lots John of John Holmes. No, we were talking about how cats deglove animals. Oh, yeah. And knives, oh, yeah, too. The violence of domestic cats. Yeah. And, yep. and we learned about Layer Cake. Yes, which is actually a great movie. So, yeah, join us on Discord. We would love to have you there, add to the conversation. And, uh, you know, it's just good to talk to you guys, find out what you guys want to hear about. And, uh, yeah, we're friendly. Nobody bites. Unless you ask. Yeah. Johnny Watt has an IMDb page? Yep. A lot of old school porn does. A lot of porn does in general, actually. Huh. I don't know if it's disturbing or reassuring that you say that with such confidence. Yes. Yeah, a little of both. And we've discussed this before. Yes. Well, all right then. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, for some reason, a lot of porn stars have IMDb pages. Oh, I remember well, that. Yeah, it's a it's a film industry. It's just a different kind of film industry. It's a very lucrative film industry. Yes, yeah. it is. It shouldn't be ignored. <clears throat> but I mean, so I people forget. are finding ways to make money still. Well, I, I forget um, when it was that this conversation happened. But Suzanne asked me, she's like, you know, so it's kind of weird that nobody ever got into like. Uh, um, not VHS. What's the other one? Beta. Beta. The beta never made it. I'm like, you want to know why? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, she's like, after I told her, she's like, no. I'm like, yeah, that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beta was literally technically superior. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. But, but uh, you know, penises and vaginas always win. Right. And that's a definite statement to. It's about that time. <laughs> it is definitely about that time. All right. This week in music. Movies and TV. And sports, my dear Watson. It's elementary. Wow, that was very prim. It's a better British accent than most of the Baker boys. And they were all British. (laughs) They they were born there. That's a better accent, isn't it? Crikey, sir. Don't you got yourself a little bit of pudding in your walnut? (laughs) Wait, what? I don't even know what that means. I... I don't even know they're British. Who the hell cares? Oh, he's got the old twisties by the saltine. <laughs> you got your ball in a twist? <laughs> All right. So this week we are going with March 8th, 1983, which is the release of the Baker Street Boys. All right. So the number one song in the land was Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. There will be more coming about Billie Jean if you wish to discuss it. I do wish to discuss it because it's one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs. So just wait a little while. There there will be a further bullet point later. Uh, Will I be able to dig in the dirt? (laughs) Sorry. I like dirt. Don't get your knickers in a twist. Uh, Carrie Underwood was born March 10th, rising to fame as the winner of the 2005 season of American Idol. Underwood has since had a highly successful solo career. Her hits include Before He Cheats and Jesus Take the Wheel. Her debut album, Some Hearts, became the best-selling solo female album in country music history. She has since sold more than 65 million records worldwide. The recipient of numerous accolades, Underwood has won 15 Billboard Music Awards, 12 ACM Awards, 12 American Music Awards, and 8 CMA Awards. She is also the only solo country music artist to ever have a number one single on the Billboard Hot 100. Good for her. 
Yeah, I've got a lot of things to say about pop country, uh, most of them not pleasant, but uh, I can't lie, Before He Cheats is a legitimate banger. It's a Carrie really Underwood is a titan of of country music, and she, you know, su- such a she's one of those like Garth Brooks types that is such a transcendent country music star that she bled over into pop music. Mm-hmm. And depending on where you put the emphasis, Jesus take the wheel can mean two. To- it could be Jesus take the wheel or Jesus take the wheel. She's no Ray Price. Boogity boogity. <laughs> And finally, on March 4th, Neil Young canceled the remainder of his tour after collapsing backstage in Louisville, Kentucky, after playing for 75 minutes. It wasn't really that long. It's just trying to make it sound like a long time. Yeah, I don't know why you know they phrased it like that, but that, that was just cut and paste for a bullet point somewhere. Huh. I didn't bother looking it up because, obviously, you know, it didn't kill him. Neil Young. Nope, still going strong. Yep. Making music. Collapsing. <laughs> it's just a thing he no, does. He's not made it a regular part of his tour. Oh man, look at my black! <laughs> it's got a timer. Every seventy-five minutes, he just falls over. You got to wind him up and put a guitar back in his hand. <laughs> David Crosby's like, yeah, that's why we cut him loose. <laughs> we could go ninety minutes. We didn't want to wind him up every seventy-five. <laughs> What a weird joke that is. I know. It's so specific with David Crosby. I I think that's why it got me. (laughs) This is you. Oh, that is me, isn't it? I I gotta stay on this tab occasionally. Now it's time for movies. (laughs) The number one movie in the land was Tootsie, starring Dustin Hoffman, Terry Garr, Jessica Lange, and Dabney Coleman. After 115 days, it surpassed Close Encounters of the Third Kind as Columbia's biggest domestic hit of all time. Its final gross in the United States and Canada was $177 million and $200,000 extra dollars, because I said that weird. Apparently, Josh collapses after $177,000. $177 million, I'm right out. You gotta wind me up and put a guitar in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) That was so fucking funny. (laughs) Oh my god, God that's awesome. And $200,000 extra (laughs) dollars. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, look at those bonus dollars! <laughs> you could have just left him, and nobody would have said anything. We just like, all right. He just I'm cut glad I didn't. <laughs> I'm a little glad I didn't. Oh my god, I'm uh, cry- I'm crying. I'm literally <laughs> crying. <laughs> all right, so just all right. for just for uh, focus on that, the hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars today would be equivalent to four hundred and seventy-three million. Uh, well. No. That so yeah, 177 million. million would be 473 million today. Okay, that's a lot. That that is a lot. I I have not seen Tootsie. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's really good. I saw that one as a kid. Yeah, Dustin me too. Hoffman in drag makes me feel funny. I just get awkward and turn it off. <laughs> All right, uh, Georges Prosper Remy. I hope I said that right. Well, he was one of the most popular European comics of the 20th century. Some of Remy's works included Joe, Zete, and Jaco, Quick and Flupke, and The Adventures of Totor. But he is best known for creating The Adventures of Tintin. Tintin has been translated into over 50 languages with several screen adaptations, including a 2011 movie and its upcoming 2021 sequel. Remy is better known by his pen name, Herge. 
which he uh, derived from the pronunciation of his transposed initials RG, as it is pronounced in French. He died on March 3rd, possibly of leukemia. The fact they're making another Adventures of Tintin movie makes me very happy. Yeah, because uh, it didn't do so well, and I thought it was actually pretty good. No, it was great. I, my girls growing up, one of the things, first things that I did is I dug out all my old Tintin comics and bought them new ones and handed them the stack. I'm like, all right, read this. And when it came out, we all went to the theater to see it and loved it and could not understand why people did not dig it. It was so good. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's kind of a niche thing. Like either you encounter, I did as well. Like they, they had uh, Adventures of Tintin both <laughs> at the library where I grew up and in my doctor's office. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure which I encountered first as a child, but I ended up reading all the hardcovers. And I think if you're a fan of the books, the movie really hit for you. That's oh, why yeah. Tootsie was so popular. Because <clears throat> of the graphic novels? Yeah, the young adult series, Tootsie. Crime-solving, cross-dresser, no? So, so anyway... Yes. The Adventures one of, of Super Fudge and Tootsie. One of the things that I really in, liked about it is the, the voices for the Tintin movie. Andy Serkis is Captain Haddock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Craig is Red Rackham, who is a villain. And then the best part, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg is Thompson and Thompson. Which makes sense, because if I remember right, that was an Edgar Winter joint. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Spielberg. Well, Spielberg, but Edgar Winter had a little bit uh, Spielberg's involved. Spielberg's the producer. <clears throat> no, Spielberg directed. Oh, yeah, I think oh. Winter might have been the producer in this case. Yeah. Because I remember I was looking up Edgar Winter movies just the other day, because we were talking about uh, the 10th anniversary of uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim. And I was like, you know, I just like Edgar Winter movies. Yeah, came across my radar. Scott Pilgrim is 10 years old? Yeah. There you go. If it's been a while since you've seen it, it's got a much better cast than you think. Oh, no. It's a regular cycle of viewing for us. So uh, The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn, was directed by Steven Spielberg. Writing credits go to Joe Cornish, who if you don't know Joe, you probably would if you look at his credits. Edgar Wright and Stephen Moffat. Really? Yep. When you said, here we go, for a second there, I thought you were going to pull a Tootsie graphic novel out of your ass the way you did with Johnny Wad, and I was concerned. <laughs> nope. No, wait, who, who, this Joe guy, what else has he done? And what else has he written? Yeah. Uh, he wrote uh, this Ant-Man, uh, Attack the Block. Oh, okay. That's okay. also uh, a winter project. He uh, worked on, um, oh, that's not what I thought it was. Okay. But I mean, Attack he, the Block and uh, the other one are, that's, Attack the Block is really good. He also directed Attack the Block as well. Nice. I don't, I don't know what that is. <clears throat> Attack the Block? Yes. Um, Imagine aliens invade Great Britain, England, and a bunch of chavs inside of public housing defend themselves. Yeah. Uh, John Boyega, that's where people learned of John Boyega. Jody Whittaker's in it from uh, Doctor Who as well. Mm-hmm. It's nice. an amazingly fun movie. Yeah. You you probably would dig it. I think you would really like it. Yeah. It's one I want to show the kids at some point because I think Isaiah would dig it. I yeah, we, right. we watched it last month and the girls were 100% behind it. But oh. TV. Uh, not yet. I still oh, have two I'm sorry. Points. One more. We, no. we, we totally, totally got off onto a tangent. Nick Frost we, is in that too, it looks like. Yeah, he is. I forgot about that. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Movies released this week included Baby It's You, Curtains, My Tutor, Tender Mercies, Ten to Midnight, and Trenchcoat. I've seen one of those movies, and sadly, it was my tutor. <laughs> huh. I've seen zero of those. Trench coat sounds familiar, though. I've seen yeah. two. I've seen my tutor and Tender Mercies. I've seen Ten to Midnight. That's a Charles Bronson movie. Oh, well, that oh, makes sense. I may have actually seen that one, now that you mentioned it's, it's Bronson. Curtains well, we, on my well, we list. We saw it with him. 
trench coat. All right. While he's looking up trench coat, I will move on. So we're not trapped in movies in perpetuity. Rafe Joseph Spall, who was born on March 10th, is an English actor who has appeared in many films, including A Good Year, One Day, Anonymous, Prometheus, Life of Pi, The Big Short, The BFG, The Ritual, and the acronym of the week, which is JWFK, which I'm pretty certain certain stands for J-Wit Fun Killer. (laughs) I knew you guys would like that, even though almost everyone who listens to uh, us will not get it. That was for you, too. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. (laughs) Somewhere his ears are burning. Yes, yeah, somewhere, somewhere, Jay just went, aww. <laughs> no, that is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Aww. Well, Spall has portrayed characters on the television series The Shadow Line and Black Mirror. Spall also appeared in the Men in Black spinoff film Men in Black International. Yeah, nice little career there. I didn't know he knew Jay. I mean, know him if you saw him. Yeah. If you're not familiar with the actor. All right, so top shows in the land for TV were a very 1983 Dallas, 60 Minutes, Dynasty, and The A-Team. I pity the fool who doesn't watch Dallas. I mean, they they remade Dallas not too long ago, didn't they? Yeah, you tried to get us to do a show. Yeah, That was me. I I was insisting we do a Dallas show for like the years two and three of this podcast, and everyone always shot it down, so I stopped trying. (laughs) Because I wasn't actually that into it. to watch the original Dallas. All right, so... On March 10th, MTV, MTV, (laughs) what? I don't know. Apparently my tongue fell out. On March 10th, MTV broadcast a video of Michael Jackson's song, Billie Jean, for the first time. This video was the first by a black artist to gain great airplay on MTV and is credited with helping the (laughs) album Thriller, shut up, become the best-selling album of all time. Thank God he was credited for that. I'm going to staple your penis to your forehead. Mike is melting in the middle of the tweet. I'm turning into pudding. You know, Michael Jackson earned 200000 additional dollars for that video. So. <laughs> Mike is at the 75-minute mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So when I worked for Starbucks, they used to have these huge events in Seattle for all the all the managers of the stores. They'd bring everybody into one spot. And they were, it was such a big event that they would have like, imagine like a wedding reception type party, but for each district. Does that make sense? So each of the districts would have their own ballroom, their own band or DJ or whatever, and all that going on. So I'm in the one for our district when I work for them. And I'm talking to the regional VP and we're just BSing. And in the middle of a conversation, he stops. Now it's it's pretty well into the night and everybody got like five free drink tickets for however the hell they did it. And he stops and he looks at me and goes, do you see what I see or am I just really drunk? And I turn around and one of the managers in our district was actually a black midget, small person, small person. And he is out on the dance floor dancing to Billie Jean and doing the dance 100%. Nice. Yeah. And I looked at him and I'm like, do you see a black midget dancing the Billie Jean dance? He's like, yes, I do. Like, then you're fine. This evening is going well. <laughs> it was, But the dude, he cranked it out. He was amazing. He knew every step of the whole thing. I give him props. But moving on, the Nashville Network, usually referred to as TNN, was an American country music-oriented cable television network. 
Yikes, that began airing on March 7th, programming including music videos, taped concerts, movies, game shows, syndicated programs, and numerous talk shows. On September 25th, 2000, after an attempt to attract the younger viewers failed, TNN's country music format was changed, and the network was renamed The National Network. And that didn't work. And eventually it became Spike TV in 2003. And that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) It became the Paramount Network in 2018. We don't know what it will be in two years. Yeah. You got to say 2003 to 2018. That's a good run. Yeah, I enjoyed it as Spike TV for a little bit. It's a lot of reruns of Impractical Jokers. Yeah. And we're also going to see the Ocho. (laughs) Channel 8. Yep. Uh, so TV shows debuting this week were Small and Fry, I don't know that one, I-40 Paradise, Fandango, and Nashville Now. I do not know any of those. Neither did I, and I didn't want to look them up. They did not Where's sound. Hollywood Hot? <laughs> Hollywood Hot! Small and Fry, though that may actually kind of... 1983, who is in? Nick Small and Chip Fry are private eye team. Fry has the ability to shrink to six inches in height, which gives him an advantage in investigating cases. It does. One di- well, I it guess kind of. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. One disadvantage is that Chip isn't always able to control his shrinking, which makes for some embarrassing and dangerous circumstances. Oh, I, I get oh, that, Chip. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't you guys heard of this before? We talked no. about it on the Bewitch show because Darren McGavin was in it. Did we? Yeah. It's not Blue Note and Brown Shoe? Wait, no. Darren <laughs> McGavin. Was that right? No, that was Dirk Dick and Dick Darren Sargent. McGavin Dick was, um, Darren McGavin was... Darren McGavin was... The Night Stalker. Well, yes. Kolchak, the Night Stalker. We talked about it at some point. And I don't know. I know about this show. Jack I don't Blessing. remember us talking about it. I don't remember this at all, man, because I think this would have been... Damn. Maybe it was on another podcast? Or maybe we mentioned it but didn't go so in-depth, because like, I, I, I could believe that we've talked about it, but I don't think we got into that description, because I think I would have remembered that. I just came across this at some point. I don't remember where, but... Huh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. Is like I'm pretty sure I would have remembered this. Yeah, this seems like something that would have shown up. I mean, at least in the back of my brain at one point or another. All right. So finally, <clears throat> not a finger, not a finger. CMT is an American pay television channel launched on March 5th as country music television. CMT was the first nationally available channel devoted to country music and country music videos, with its programming also including concerts, specials, and biographies of country music stars. Did I read this already? Biographies? No, it's very similar to the other... Got it. I'm having weird deja vu then. Over time, the network's programming expanded to incorporate original lifestyle and reality programming while downplaying its focus on country music. A lot of country in this tweet. I know. What the hell? I didn't put it in the internet. It's just there. That's what was found. I don't know what to tell you. All right, moving on to sports. On March 3rd, Pittsburgh Steelers star quarterback Terry Bradshaw underwent surgery on his throwing arm, checking into the hospital under an, under an interesting alias. The four-time Super Bowl quarterback was admitted under the name Thomas Brady. The future NFL superstar of the same name, Tom Brady, was only five years old at the time. This injury would turn out to be his be the death knell for Bradshaw's career. He only played one more game in his professional career. Fucking oh. Tom Brady ruining things even before he was able to play. <clears throat> I like Terry Bradshaw. He's a fun dude. He really is. I, I, I think like going out to dinner with him would be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's no Terry Crews. But who is? Oh, if you go have an all Terry dinner, who would it be? <gasps> Terry Bradshaw, Terry Cruz, Terry and, Gilliam, uh, Terry Gilliam, and um, Terry, Terry Thomas. 
Oh, and Terry Hatcher. Terry Polo. Oh, Terry Polo. That's another good one. I think we're missing a Terry. That's a pretty good. That's that's a pretty good dinner. Scary Terry. (laughs) Aw, bitch. Order the Merlot, bitches. (laughs) That that rounds it out, Scary Terry. (laughs) Now, Mike, try. Pass the nachos, bitch. All right, and lastly, to get us out of this tweet, the 1983 Atlantic Coast Conference Men's Basketball Tournament was held in Atlanta, Georgia at the Omni Coliseum from March 11th to the 13th. North Carolina State defeated Virginia 81-78 to win the championship. Sidney Lowe of North Carolina State was named MVP. It was the first time the event was held in Atlanta. Hmm. Ta-da. That's the end of the tweet. Play us off keyboard, Joel. na 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 Yikes. See the chunks in that one. You might need to see a doctor. You got blockage. I had just taken a drink when you said that. I was like, somebody say something about what Patrick just said. So I had to swallow the water really fast, and I decided to incorporate it instead. Well, good for thinking on your feet. Okay, so back in. What? Sorry, that was just my spoiler. It sucks. He's, get, he's getting ahead of himself there. <laughs> oh, we we need to at least tell them what sucks before you oh, get to sorry. it. You putting sorry. the cart before the horse, Governor? Yeah, getting yourself <laughs> a bit of saltine crackers inside your f- <laughs> etouffee. <laughs> what? Uh, I, don't I don't know. Is that British? All right. So for the then, <laughs> we watched. What did we watch? The Baker the, Street Boys. The Baker Street Boys from 1983. The adventures of a gang of street urchins living in Victorian London who assist the legendary detective Sherlock Holmes in solving crimes and find themselves tackling cases on their own. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, this is directed by Marilyn Fox and Michael Kerrigan. So Marilyn Fox looked her up. She is known for directing from 1980s smash hit called Our John Willie. And the last thing that she ever did was something called Earthfasts? Earthfasts. I think that's a pyramid scheme. No, Earthfasts, and then before that... <laughs> and she told two friends. She told and, and then you told two friends, and then we all make money. Like, um, is that Herbalife? <laughs> and then also, in 1993, she did the return of the, of the Pesama what? No, did, you just, I, I, did you hit the 75 minute mark again? No, I have not hit 75. Okay, PSA Someone needs to reboot Mike. No, this is how it this is how it's said. This is how it's spelled. Now how would you say it? P S A M M E A D. Pesamamed. It's so neat to beat your feet on the pesticide. And and the description of it on IMDb is four children encounter the magic powers of Pesimimid, the sand fairy. Jesus Christ, what has happened? David Hasselhoff was in that. Was he? He was the sand fairy. It was a Baywatch spinoff. Oh, okay. <clears throat> this a lot is of slow also... motion, children running. So Michael Michael Kerrigan, the other of course director you of this. Are. Well, okay, Marilyn Fox, <laughs> she did the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from 1988 that at one point or another everybody saw in Sunday school. Uh, Michael Kerrigan did Basil Brush Unleashed 2002 to 2007, which looks like a fox <clears throat> puppet show. And I mean that literally. It's like a puppet fox that's doing stuff. Uh, the Basil Brush Show and a bunch of other shows that are probably pretty popular in Great Britain, but we do not know about over here. If you know about these things, give us a call at 78 now wrap Because <laughs> we don't know. Like the furry velvet fox show. Or the Pesimamud. Pesimamud. <laughs> All right, this is also 
write written by Aunt Richard Carpenter and Anthony Reed, who also did Stanley's Dragon and the popular <laughs> that a rip ninth... off a of peach dragon. What is that? Yeah, Stanley's Dragon, and then the aptly named The Adventurer. Stanley the Cinnamon Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Live by the sea. Excelsior! And then he also, he also wrote a TV miniseries in 2001 called I Was a Rat. What is going I, on in Britain? I don't know. Is it BBC? What the hell? Anthony Head, he did the Omega Factor and something called Mogul and a bunch of other stuff you haven't heard of. Okay, series cast, Wiggins, the lead child in this, is played by Jay Simpson, who probably had the best career past this, because he was in the 2019 Chernobyl, and he was also in Frontier and King Gary. I was just talking about Chernobyl before the show earlier. In between both of these shows, he was taking languages, language lessons, how to do accents. (laughs) Language lessons. Nothing? Really? Yeah, no. Better off dead. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Love, uh, love. The language of love. So, (laughs) her and him. him. Right. That track. So, I was trying so hard to talk about the show that we actually watched. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so Stanley Leber. Leber? Leber? L-E-B-O-R. He played Inspector Lestrade, and he also played General Romoff in Superman 4, (laughs) The Quest for Peace. And he was Mongun Doctor in Flash Gordon. Ah. I mean, I'm I'm only going with people on IMDb that on this list that had pictures. Everybody else is like they they're known for the Baker Street Boys. Well, this was one of those you know movies or TV shows or whatever that you you kind of look back on. It's a, you're watching it 30 years in the future from when it was made. Normally, in something like that, you'll see a name here here or there. You're like, oh yeah, this person went on to that. This is one of those where you're like, nobody in anywhere in the credits went on to do anything. Nope. That's because it's like a very enthusiastic high school play. <laughs> okay, Josh. In in my notes, I have like this is all the talent and drama of a seventh grade play. <laughs> Yeah, that was the, uh, that was when I was watching. I was like, this this reminds me very specifically of something. Said, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's like watching VHS tapes, tapes of of plays that yeah. people were in, you know. And you're like, you know how you watch it years later. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So going through this, it looks like turn, more Pasama mud. <laughs> uh, Don Henderson who plays Sam Trump in this, is one of the characters that played General Tagai. He played General Tagai in the original Star Wars. Okay. Huh. I can get behind that. Yeah. I mean, you don't know who he is. They never mentioned him in the movie, but he was in Star Wars. And he probably he was, has an action figure. He might, yeah. <laughs> he also was in Brazil, No Escape, and The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. So he did pretty well. I mean, everybody else on this list, I mean, who can't remember Cyril Shops and his portrayal of Orlov? I mean, yeah, I remember Orlov, but that's just because I watched this. Yeah. I don't even remember Orlov, and I just watched it. And it's one of those things, like, this guy was in this show back in 83, but then in 77, he was in The Spy Who Loved Me. In 2002, he was in The Pianist. (laughs) And then in 94, he was in The Madness of King George, which is a great movie, honestly. Okay, but, so yeah, so he eventually got into he had a career. Uh, Don Henderson, I just posted in the chat the General Taga action figure that exists. <laughs> of course it does. Why would it not? And let me see. 
Yep, looks just like him. Check the price on eBay. <laughs> 40 bucks? Is that the guy that got choked out? No. If you want to complete your General Taga collection, you need that figure. That's the thing. It's like he's not even a character that did anything. He was just a character sitting at a table. He was, yeah, he's one of the guys at the table then? Yeah. Yeah. Do they now, all have action figures? Everybody at that table? Practically. Probably, Pretty much yeah. if, if a character existed as a name and a backstory and probably as a figure. That's the rule for Star Wars. Right. Now, the one one uh, contrast on this one is the actor Michael Ripper, which is kind of a cool name, played Stanley Fluff. Which is kind of a not cool name. Yeah, which is 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in 1970, he was in the movie Taste the Blood of Dracula. He was also in the original Mummy movie and something called Quatermass and the Pit. Yeah, I remember that one. Wait, Quatermass that, in the Pit, you remember? That sounds like a bad buddy cop movie. I think he's pull I don't believe you. No, he's been pulling. I believe him on almost anything tonight. <laughs> All right, so some trivia on this one. Beginning in 2005, Anthony Red successfully adapted the series into a set of children's novels, currently numbering six volumes. Okay. Oh, that, oh, that's the end? <laughs> Uh, in 1985, the BBC released four episodes of the series on VHS, and they were edited into two 48-minute-long episodes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the two stories featured were The Adventure of the Disappearing Dispatch Case from Episodes 1 and 2, and The Adventure of the Winged Scarab from Episodes 5 and 6. And I would like to say there's more trivia on this, but not only was I not enthused to find more, but... Why would that's, there even be more? That's I right. I mean, that's like pretty that. trivial. Yeah. I'm surprised I mean, there, there was were, that much. There were essentially three episodes. Yep. They, they kind of broke them unnecessarily into two parts. But Well, when you think about like Doctor Who, for example, the, the original series was typically 25 minutes, four episodes on average. So, you know, BBC, it's... Yeah, they, they're, fam- they're famous for, for, you know, their series being very slow or very short. Well, I mean, that's completely flipped, though, because, like, right now, each episode of Sherlock is an hour and a half long. No, I don't mean short in the length of the episode. I mean short in the season. Oh, yeah. yeah like, yeah. six episodes is a standard <clears throat> series in Britain. I mean, look at all of the... Um... Oh, shit, now I lost his name. From the right. office. Uh... Ricky Gervais. And all of the Ricky Gervais series that have popped up on Netflix. They're all amazing, but they're super short, like six episodes, and then that's the season, and then maybe they run for two to three seasons, and they're done. Yep. Hmm. You know what, though? I kind of respect that, because I would rather have an hour-and-a-half show that plays well with itself. Yes. Well, like his show, Derek, was was really well done, but it was like two seasons and a one extra episode, like an, a, a longer episode, and then now his new show, Afterlife, is in its mm-hmm. second season, I think, and it's like six episodes per, and, and I think really extra, good stuff. Extras was, I think, six episodes in three seasons. Yeah, Extras was really good, but it's like they just knew not to overdo it and know what ended. It's not like back in the day when you'd have a series on like a Beverly Hillbillies or something that was like 34 episodes in one season. You're like, well, that's a weird callback that you went to Beverly Hillbillies. That's the first thing I could think of that was around that time. A lot of those old shows had like, like the original, like Transformers season one is like 40 episodes or something like that. I mean, that makes more sense though, because it's a kid's show. But like the Baker Street Boys, do you need 40 episodes? No. And it was a kid's show. That's exactly what this was. I don't know. I felt like it kind of didn't know where it wanted to land. Like Mm -hmm. it wanted to be a Sherlock Holmes type story, but it was trying to be for kids, but it was a little bit above some of their heads, like a preteen kind of thing, maybe. 
I don't yeah, know. that felt that felt like a big part of its problem. It didn't know if it wanted to appeal to kids, young adults, or adults. It just couldn't figure it out for itself. It did not appeal to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There was something I can't say that I en- enjoyed it or need to watch the remaining episodes that I didn't. I watched four episodes, which compi- comprised of two full stories, and it. There was a certain bit of nostalgia there back when I was a kid and I used to flip, you know, PBS on and would watch whatever was on there. Oh, I thought you were going to say back when you were a streeter. Yes, when I was, <laughs> and I was like, may I have some more, please? No. And I would watch whatever was on there and, you know, it was kind of these low budget, uh, sorts of things. And that's where my love of Doctor Who came from was watching, you know, that, that stuff with my dad. But, you know, there was other stuff on PBS that wasn't just kid shows. Uh, and it kind of reminded me of those days in a way that it was kind of low, especially with the fact that it was low grade, like VHS quality YouTube videos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just added to that. And was it great? No. But was it good? Also, no. <laughs> was it mediocre? No. No. Was it? It wasn't. Was it worth watching? No. <laughs> I, I I wasn't joking when I I said that the it was enthusiastic because it was very committed to what it was doing. It just the problem is is there was little to no acting talent. Yeah, a hundred percent on that one. I was watching it and it's like they were whoever the writers of this, <clears throat> you know, of Marilyn Fox and Richard Carpenter and all that they wanted this to be a thing and i think the whole premise is cool you know what does you know he uh sherlock holmes he talks about the irregulars all the time you know like i found out this from my the irregulars that sort of thing how do they get it and it's a opening to a whole bunch of extra stories but i don't know it's like the one let's see my notes on the first two episodes with the whole train being blown up like they're gonna blow up the tracks thing Yay! Yay! At where the are end. the you know where yeah. are the Baker Street Boys? Yay! Yay! Um, like, why did those guys have to meet like several different times to discuss their plan when their plan was literally, uh, we just need a long fuse and we're going to use dynamite to blow up the track? And the other thing I, I have in my notes here is, in the amount of time it took them to stop the train, they could have just run up and pulled the fuse out of the dynamite. Yeah, yes. and just cut the fuse. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm the- like the whole plot is just destroyed by a pair of scissors yeah well and the explosion that that was caused by the dynamite wouldn't have probably done more than rocketed the train back and forth a little bit and that's about it yeah, well, it would have I destroyed th- the track and and it wouldn't have derailed the train it just would have yeah yeah been like oh we're stopped for 10 minutes hang on we're fixed okay chugga 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 because they were talking about blowing up you know the the whole thing almost it sounded like yeah that wouldn't have blown up more than maybe would have damaged one of the cars and that's about it yeah and I was sitting there watching them the whole time. Going, Just go up and pull the fuse out. They, you know, I, yeah, they, it ran for a good thirty seconds. You had plenty. Oh, of time. but wait! The inside of your cloak is red. We can stop the train that way. God. <sighs> That, that was the sound of the dynamite. That, that's very accurate, actually. It's nice to see explosion in his early work. <laughs> I think it's the 80s. You know, he needed the money. <laughs> Back when he was young. Yeah, fresh off of Johnny Wad. He's like, <laughs> Francis explosions. I mean, and the other problem was is that, you know, you, you see a Sherlock Holmes mystery. There's some mystery there. You know, you don't, especially if it's the first time you've ever seen it or read it, you don't necessarily know how it's going to end. But these kind of telegraphed what was going to happen and it it was it was like a kid's version of of sherlock holmes whereas if he's relying on these kids to help him you think you know they would be a it would be a bit more involved and a bit more they'd be smarter i don't know it felt like they kind of haphazardly figured things out i don't know 
Did everybody disappear? Well, there wasn't no. any kind of like uh, moment of great research that led to <laughs> figuring it out. It was just basically the kids sat there in a chair and thought about it, and suddenly it was like, oh, yeah. And it took all, how many, what, five of them, six of them? You know, each seven. one of them, seven? Yep, there were seven of them. Because I remember when he loaded his revolver, I'm like, okay, you're going to kill them all with the revolver. You have six bullets, at least one kid behind. But he was not oh. going to kill any of them because he was an absolutely horrible shot. He, he was a he, stormtrooper. He totally was. And when they're leaving, the, his uh, partner in the whole scheme went, hey, what are, McFrancis, let's get going. Why would you call out your partner's name if you're trying to blow up a train? Yeah, thanks for blowing up my spot. (laughs) Yeah, because he's definitely going to rat on him. Oh, 100%. Well, and the other episode I watched was about a guy who killed his brother to get his money to pay off his old debts and then assumed the... They were looked fairly identical, so he assumed the life of his brother, and they figured it out because he didn't ever play the cello, and apparently his brother used to play the cello all the time. So the kids brought it to the his house and were like, you know, hey, why don't you play? And he's like, I don't want to play, whatever. And they're like, haha, we figured it out. Like, okay. Then they pulled the beard off him and realized what it that he wasn't. You were a cello the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> So apparently fake beards are basically like the villain's go-to in this show. <laughs> no, oh, 100%. <laughs> no one can grow their own beard. And cross-dressing. Yeah, I, I don't know. It uh, Like I said, it was kind of fun and a, a nostalgia kind of took me back to being a kid watching whatever was on the channel. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not something that I would intentionally sit down and put on. One of the notes I have on this is, hang on. Uh, this is like watching a stage play from a seventh grade class. No, it, this... it really, it, it really felt like like a local theater troupe. Mm-hmm. Is what it no, felt like to me. And it also felt like imagine you are in grade school and you have a substitute teacher and it's literature time. This is what they would put on. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the old Basil Rathbone. Sherlock Holmes aren't necessarily something you you wouldn't show to kids, but this would speak more to them because they're like, oh, well, these kids can solve mysteries. You know, neat. Mm -hmm. I'm empowered. I'm going to go pull the fuse out of some dynamite. Oh, wait, that's not what they did. I I like how they try to turn it into such a harrowing experience that the the, the kid was in a closet. Like, no one even knew he was in the closet. He wasn't in any danger. He was gone for a couple hours. He came out? He could have been in, you know, gone to dinner for as long as he was gone. And they're like all like, oh, it's such drama. No, it's not. Yeah. The other thing I have on my notes is... Oh, the from the first couple episodes, that shop looks like the translation book uh, set for Monty Python. <laughs> it did kind of actually. Uh, you know my the oh, hovercraft. My I was, I was like, my hovercraft is full of eels. <laughs> my well, nipples I, explode. Like. I kept waiting for Jack the Ripper to show up because the 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 especially in the first one with the dark alleys and the you know kind of late nights out running around trying to solve a mystery. I was like. You know, reminded me of like Whitechapel and kept expecting there to be a deeper story going on or something. Now, there is a character called Ripper. No, that's the guy's name. Stanley Fluff was the character. If you're looking uh, at the cast list. Yeah, I am. I thought I saw Ripper in there. Oh, that's right. Michael Ripper. Stanley Fluff and William Lodford, who played Butler. Yeah. I mean, this is very 80s BBC. Yes. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and they, they did use some of the actual names from the Baker Street Irregulars that appeared in uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's works. 
Well, that's a little bit of, I mean, I'm glad that they did that. I mean, because they started making stuff up, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> and I was just looking at the cast list here, and I didn't get to an episode with Professor Moriarty, but... Apparently uh, he was in there. He, he would have laid these kids flat. Oh, 100%, because Moriarty would have been like, all right, you guys are trying to figure this out? I'm going to kill you all. I have no problem with it. And he won't figure it out. Because I'll leave one of you alive, and you still won't figure it out. Yep. He would probably just lock them all in a room somewhere that they couldn't escape and just leave them for dead. I mean, at that time, I mean, they were street kids, so. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm serious. That's probably what he, how he would, he wouldn't like waste the time to like shoot them, like leave them somewhere where they're going to die. Well, yeah. I, I haven't, and I, this is not a shocker to anybody, but I haven't read any of the books of the Sherlock Holmes books. Are the kids in the books, the Irregulars, the Baker Street Boys, whatever they go by, are they this age or are they the age in the series that the Netflix series we're going to talk about? If I recall, they're mentioned, but they're like, there's no like, oh, I'm talking to this homeless 13 year old. Well, they come up. I mean, they're urchins that he has do distractions for him or there's a number of different tasks he has the Irregular do. But But there's no like specified. And and I kind of think the Netflix series series is playing fast and loose with their age they're supposed to be all about the same age mm. that's just my take well and the reason i ask is because there is such a kind of a gap between the ages because the kids in the show the this show are probably between like 10 and 12 ish maybe and in the netflix series they're late teens possibly they're 20 but they're definitely older mm-hmm. uh I don't know what ages the actors are, but they all seem like they're between 18 and 20, probably. Well, if for the, the, if the kid is engaging in underground street <clears throat> fighting, he's definitely at least a 16, say, I would guess, his character. Yeah. I have to I, be what I'm saying. That. No, I'd say 16 is probably a pretty good guess, but we're getting ahead of ourselves a little. Yeah. I was just curious because I, I, I didn't know about the characters before we decided to do the show. So this is all brand new to me as far as that goes. And I've seen, you know, so many different takes on, on Holmes and Watson that it was kind of interesting to see this side of it and also to see how they cast those characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I love the Basil Rathbone series of films. Um, and I watched the first season of the Benedict Cabbage Patch uh, version. So that's kind of the last Holmes. Um, that a drill cummerbund? Yes. And I'm wondering now, were the Irregulars in that show? I don't, I don't occasionally. remember them. Oh, I didn't get as far as to see any Irregulars, so that's interesting. Yeah, there's there's a couple times where he gets information, but it's not like directly referred to. Huh. So it's like a like a reference to them, but they're not like a an actual. There's not an actual like these are the Irregulars kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, I think we're probably uh, as done as we can be. Yeah. Solve that mystery. So yeah, in the modern day series, <laughs> Sherlock reimagines the Irregulars as the homeless network. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's how they refer to it in Sherlock, <laughs> where it's it's there, but it's not like, oh, here's Frank from my Irregulars, you know, that sort of thing. Because I'd like to finish that series at some point, because I really enjoyed the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, up. hello, Irregulars gang. <laughs> you know, here in America, we call the homeless network Sprint. <laughs> wow. I thought it would be Cricket. Oh, see, yeah, that's the guy could have gone with cricket. Rickety cricket. He is homeless. Oh, my God. All right. Well, we are going to call this right now. (laughs) He is a regular, too. Once we're in a Sherlock Holmes and they bring up rickety cricket, we're done. Um, We're going to be back in a little bit. We're going to talk about the Irregulars, the Netflix adaptation of the Baker Street Boys. All right. We'll be back in a little bit. I thought it was a documentary about pants. 
Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mid Show. And this week we have got Warp 11 with What Would William Shatner Do? And remember, this is just a sample. You can hear the whole song after the credits of this show. Also, be sure to check out the uh, tracks that are on Geek Life Radio every day. Go to geekliferadio.com where you can find our shows and all the other shows on the Geek Life Radio podcast teams. Okay, so in 2021, The Irregulars was released. Set in Victorian London, the series follows a gang of troubled street teens who are manipulated into solving crimes for the sinister Dr. Watson and his mysterious business partner, the elusive Sherlock Holmes. And the sick Sherlock Holmes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, the tuberculosis-ridden Sherlock Holmes. Why does he crawl out through the vomit? Through the vomit. Why don't you just back the fuck up, dude? I mean, it's pretty well established at that point that he's just as much of a junkie as the regular Sherlock, but also like the dude who's on two sanity from playing Call of Cthulhu the fun way. Hmm. We were talking about the irregular under the bed, though. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a spike. Yeah. yeah, it crawls out, and instead of going the opposite direction or sliding out the f- the front end, he goes right through the vomit. Yeah. I'm not known to slide out the front end myself. <laughs> I appreciate that you took that. I would be disappointed if you hadn't. <laughs> okay, good. All right. So this is directed by Joss Agnew. Yeah. See? You thought no. I was going to say Whedon, didn't you? It's another Joss. Uh, Johnny Allen and Veronica Tolfiska, who is not a werewolf. <clears throat> that you know of. But who is probably Eastern European. She sounds Slavic. Just saying. Uh, Writing credits go to Tom Bidwell, Tom Bidwell, and Sarah Simmons. So nice. He got credit twice. Yeah. So Tom Bidwell is known for a slow internet connection (laughs) and also known for Watership Down. He was a writer on that. He was also a writer on something called My Mad Fat Diary, which ran from 2013 to 2015. I heard that as diarrhea in my head for some reason. <laughs> my my mad fat diarrhea. Bleah. The Patrick Whaley story. Oh, jeez. And uh, Sarah... <laughs> He's not wrong. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> arguing. I just... <laughs> just going to say... Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Props. And uh, Sarah Simmons is known for the regulars. One episode. One episode. Yes, this stars a Mikkel David as Spike, Thaddea Graham as B, Jojo Maraki as Billy. Makari. Makari. Marak- Jojo Maraka <laughs> as Billy. Harrison Jojo Olser- Macarena. Macari- <laughs> Jojo Macarena. <laughs> this, is the, this is the weirdest drag show I've ever been to. Who the hell is Jojo Macarena? <laughs> Harrison Osterfield as Leopold, Darcy Shaw as Jesse, Clark Peters as the Linen Man, Royce Pearson as John Watson, Henry Lloyd Hughes as Sherlock, Roy McCann as the Birdmaster, and Ian White as the Plague Doctor. The reason I put those two in there is because they're both Game of Thrones alum. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, Roy McCann played uh, the the Hound. hound. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, it's the Hound! 
I got okay. excited. I know who the Hound is, but I never got past season one on uh, Game of Thrones. Well, he's a he's a main character for sure. He's a big dude. He is a big dude. He was also uh, um, Yarp <laughs> uh, in uh, Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Royce Pearson is John Watson. You may know him from Line of Duty, Wanderlust, and Murdered by My Boyfriend. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, that's it. And then uh, David McKell, who plays the main Baker Street Spike, the previous vomit-crawling character that we were talking about, uh, is in The Gentleman, which is a... Is that the pre- that's not the prequel to... Um... No, that's The Kingsman. Oh, The Kingsman, okay. Or Kingsman. Yeah, and I what don't know that I would call Spike the main. In fact, he's pretty much the furthest from the main character, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd right. say B is the main character. He is definitely the leader, yeah. Okay, well, I'll say first on my list. <clears throat> there you go. There, there you go. go, there you go. Um, Thaddeogram as B. I almost said it was B8 because the <laughs> I copy know pay- the copy-paste didn't work. Um, That's right. But uh, she's also known for Curfew, Letter for the King, and something called Us. Not that Us. The other us. The other us. TV miniseries us. A lot of TV. So good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a competent actress. Yeah. Uh, some trivia on this one is, if you liked it, sorry. The show was canceled by Netflix after only one season on May 21st, 2021. That made me kind of sad because this was a, a different, very different take on Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Also, the series takes its name from characters who appeared in Arthur's written works named the Baker Street Irregulars. These characters, young boys who Sherlock uses on the streets of London to gain intelligence while carrying out his investigative work, are featured in three short stories among alongside the famous detective. Yeah, I thought that was interesting since I didn't realize, you know, yeah. how much they were part of the story per se. And that kind of gives a little insight. Yep. And uh, the production was halted due, due to COVID. That makes sense. Yeah. Two weeks left. They're like, yeah, stop it. Be that sucks of it. Ex- hard to explain why they're all wearing masks. <laughs> they're all plague doctors. Yeah. Uh, it kind of sucks because they were so close to the finish line. You know, if it would be one thing if it was like three months left to go, but two weeks, mm-hmm. that's like. <laughs> they're all like, Crikey, we don't understand what's going on. Let's solve this mystery. I, I don't think I ever heard any one of them say crikey. I'm not sure Mike actually watched this. <clears throat> I watched this. I heard them <laughs> curse, but yeah. curse a lot. Yeah, they uh, did curse a lot. Yeah, some films <clears throat> were, uh, some scenes were filmed at Liverpool's Stanley Dock, which is the same loco- location done by uh, Peaky Blinders, Captain America, and Robert Downey's Sherlock Holmes. Hmm, that makes sense. Yeah, I think the the first Avenger one. I think that was the one where he was. Uh, he had, like, the car door. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. So, all right. The Irregulars. So, this is a hardcore supernatural take on uh, Holmes. And Holmes and Watson are not necessarily what you'd expect out of them. They're definitely not squeaky clean. <clears throat> no. Right. And I super appreciated that. Like, I was vaguely interested in the concept. And then I was all in when I found out that it was going to be, like, a Monster of the Week show. Well, and, and and even with it being kind of a villain of the week, monster of the week, whatever, there's a thread that's tying them all together that is an overarching story that's carrying out throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And it gets a little YA at times where you've got uh, the uh, love triangle deal like you see in every young adult ever. But that, I don't know, that didn't kill it for me. I, I really dug this. Maybe I'm alone. <clears throat> uh 
I only saw one one episode. I saw the pilot episode, and I liked it. I didn't, you know, I didn't love it. I liked it. I, I figured, you know, if I had a chance to see more, I would watch more. But it's not something that I'm going to like continue to watch. But it, I, it, it, it was good. I don't know. It it uh, the first episode, and I I I got through two um this week. The uh, it had a vaguely kind of mid era Stephen Moffat Doctor Who kind of feel to it. Um. And, you know, I, of course, appreciated that. Wait, are you talking about the Baker, Baker Street Boys? No. Oh. The Irregulars. Oh. It, it vaguely felt like a, like a you know, like kind of how Doctor feel, Doctor Who feels now. Um, not now, but at that point. Uh, and um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed aspects of it, but I couldn't find myself getting invested enough in any of the characters to be like the driving force to continue watching. I will admit that this is a little bit of a slow burn. You don't get into the Call of Cthulhu kind of stuff until it's a ways in. See, that's kind of where I checked out when they, what, what was the name of the big evil thing about to destroy the world, Josh? Uh, I don't remember the, the, the big bad's name. Yeah, but they refer to it as like the, the gasher or something like that. <laughs> that's from Johnny Walker. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was wrong. <laughs> That may not be the right phrase they use, but that's where I kind of checked out. I'm like, all right, well, we got the supernatural thing. They've got the oh, got well, that's that's not a monster. That's that's like a rip in space time. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember what the big thing that they were trying to stop was. What the linen man was talking about? Yeah, the giant gash in the sky or whatever it was. But it that's where I kind of checked out because it's like, oh, okay, you know, they're not just helping with, you know, they're not just solving these mysteries. And I totally could get behind a. You know, Sherlock is actually being propped up by this cadre of street but now, urchins. But now that they're going to be saving the world. Yeah, now we're saving the world against the giant, you know, evil thing that's going to come. I'm like, all right, yeah. And like, it's you're seemed... you're going to make your characters more important than the character that they're supposed to be supporting, right? And it, it mm. seemed to me like a like a low rent uh, Umbrella Academy. Like, yeah, I didn't get that read at all, but I could see like if you checked out early where you'd get that from, because they do kind of get into like, why did Watson pick her in the first place? And why is Watson, Watson such an a-hole? I don't know. I didn't get far enough. Like I didn't finish the entire series uh, is a fair point. Like, like exactly what Watson's whole deal is, why he's so sinister that's an excellent question. It's not one that I have an answer for because I didn't actually get that far. And they may never have an answer for it. I mean, I know from my vague knowledge of Sherlock Holmes that he was an addict in the in the books, right? He was a pretty not Watson Holmes. Yeah, Sherlock was. Yeah, yeah. That's that's off, and you get that off the uh, the twenty twenty percent solution. Yeah, yeah. But every time I've seen uh, Watson portrayed, he's always. A fairly, you know, good guy. Same thing with Mycroft. You know, I kind of get more of a stand-up kind of guy sort of thing. But yeah, Watson seems like the guy who's helping Sherlock keep his shit together. Right. Like almost like a like a caretaker. Not that he's better than or anything like that, but more like he's kind of keeping an eye on him. And that's kind of my feel on where they went with this is that that's still all true. But it's like, what if uh, Sherlock went too far into the occult and pretty much lost his mind. Because mm. if you got to Mycroft, you probably, no, you, you didn't get that far, did you? Did you meet Mycroft? Did anyone get that At far? the end no. of episode two, uh, uh, B goes, 
into this room. I don't remember why she went there, but she went into the room and he's like, oh, you're B, whatever. And she's like, how do you know me? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm Holmes, Mycroft Holmes. And that's where the episode ended. Okay. Yeah. Because that's, you honestly checked out right before the series started getting good. Damn. Because that is the episode, the episode where they deal with what Mycroft wants is kind of like the turning point for the series. Because I like, I like that character, like on uh, the BBC version uh, with Benedict uh, Cumberbund, you know, Mark Gaddis played Mycroft and I I always appreciated that. And I liked his characterization of him. So I was kind of looking forward to that once I saw him pop up, but then I didn't at that point have time to continue. I get you. You got to finish that, man. See, I don't have any desire to to finish it now that I know that they didn't even finish the first season and they're never going to. Yeah, that's that was the biggest bummer. And I wish there was an explanation because it's not like, oh, well, it wasn't doing well. It did get maybe a little bit uh, overshadowed by some of uh, by like Shadow and Bone that came out real uh, hot on its heels. I mean, it could be a financial thing, too. I mean, it, it could just be that in this day and time, with everything else going on, it was just too costly. Cause it's, I mean, it was a pretty effects-heavy uh, period oh, yeah. drama. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on that probably... That's what happened expensive. to Deadwood. They love their uh, fisheye lens. Well, and period shows, as we know, they're <laughs> not cheap to make. So you could be onto something there. I mean, I could see this potentially either coming back to finish. They might say, you know, hey, well, let's do a one-off movie to to round it out or a graphic novel series or, you know, something else if there's enough groundswell from people. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's miles, miles above the Baker Street Boys for sure. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's that was ever in doubt. But it, it, it kind of struck me as – that's another reason I was kind of asking about their characterization in the books, because it seemed like this had the same characters as in the Baker Street Boys, just at an, at an older age. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, definitely like B was one of the ones we actually saw, even in the first episode, it's sort of like she was a minor character in that first episode. But uh, I was kind of excited to see her. And I liked um, Leopold and the fact that, you know, he had some other things going on. Uh, he was he was a pretty layered character, it felt like. Uh, and I was kind of interested to see where that went. Um, now, Leopold was the guy who was actually a prince, right? Yes, he, he is the crown prince. But uh, they talked about, um, I think it was in the second episode as well, where, I mean, you oh. knew he had uh, uh, anemia, or, or no, um, not anemia, uh, where you bleed. Hemophilia. 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 But then in the second episode... He's having trouble walking because his knee, something happened, something's wrong with his knee. And he said that when he was born, the doctors are like, you know, surprised he's even alive because he's basically afflicted with everything on the planet. Well, yeah, I've seen him before. He was in uh, Catch-22. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you've got anemia, especially if you've got the way he's got it, like you don't heal like other people do. Like he talks about how he gets injured uh, and it would take him weeks to recover from a sprained ankle. Which yeah. I think they push that a little bit in later episodes where he, he definitely takes on injuries that should have just like taken him out of the show. And yeah, they get that into, will do to you. they get into Jesse and her uh, supernatural powers, her ability to like, uh, see into the minds of the supernatural creatures and how they get their abilities. And as the show goes on, uh, you get more depth out of Billy and Spike. 
And oh, and who was he, the who was the the black dude in Louisiana that was talking to Jesse? The linen man. Yeah, basically, was, he's was, he's got similar powers to her, uh, which is how they they were able to like uh, reach each other in in their dreams. Think about okay. Scatman Crothers from uh, The Shining. Yeah, they both had the shin in. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that and that is actually one of my uh, complaints. Is uh, that that's kind of a played out the the magical black guy trope is kind of well worn, and they should know better by now. Right. Yeah, just look at uh uh oh shit. Scatman Crothers? No Morgan Freeman. Key and Peel show. Key. The whole thing with the the, the Peel. magical black man trope. Oh they yeah, whole, they had a sketch about it. Yeah, a whole sketch about it. Where they yeah, fight like each Green other. Mile is like the the ultimate for that. <clears throat> it's like, yeah, you're gonna get uh magical black man and Jesus Christ analogy all at once. I would I would say that Bruce Almighty <laughs> might be better. I mean, he's literally God. Morgan Freeman is literally God. Yeah, but that's not played straight. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Comedic effect. Okay. Right. Yeah, because that's the thing. Is like John Coffey is like is supposed to be a serious character, and uh, he's got the initials JC. He sacrifices himself for others, and he's got magic powers. And Wait a okay. second. He coughs up butterflies just like Jesus too. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course. I see it now. But it's not like the Shawshank Redemption with the the magic uh, moon rocks summoning Redemption. the devil. Rege- Redemption? Yeah. Shut up. The thaw thing? No, no, no. You shit on me. I shit on you. The thaw thing Redemption. You fuck on Chow. <laughs> so it, it is a shame that uh, this isn't really going to get an ending. Uh, but I, I do think that COVID might have killed it more than anything else. So that, that's the reason we've got some other things that were made around the same time that uh, their fates are up in the air, like uh, HBO's Hero. Like we don't know what's going to happen with it because uh, they are effects heavy action series that COVID just shut down. And how do you spin that thing back up and still make money? Yeah. Well, especially with the, the, the added precautions and the smaller crews that you can have, uh, it doesn't lend itself well to large scale productions. I don't know. I mean, on paper, there's a lot here that I should enjoy and I did, but um, there was just something that wasn't, was felt like it was missing and I can't put my finger on what it was exactly, but it felt like there was something just, just a little off, a little irregular as it were. Uh-huh. That's I, I, the name of the show. It wasn't intentional, but I, I think that the writers just didn't know a hundred percent where they wanted to go with everything. I mean, the, you've got the, the supernatural thing going on. You've got the general crime fighting thing. You've got the detective thing going on. I think if they had focused on one of those three things and been like, yeah, all right, well, they are helping Sherlock Holmes, but they get drug into the supernatural <clears throat> save the world type of thing. All right. Leave the other two behind. Well, focus and, on one and write a good story. And I think that one of the things that uh, they tried to address, and for me it was successful, and it doesn't seem like a hit for anybody else, is in other tales with the irregulars that try to put them front and center, the question is, <clears throat> is if we're going to have any sort of stakes at all, why isn't Sherlock taking care of this himself? Yes. And there is no satisfactory answer. It's because he doesn't want to. In this, it's because he's half insane from trying to research magic and a drug addicted fucking mess. That's a pretty good reason. Okay. That 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 does make me feel a little more satisfied with it because like when in the first episode when all the babies are going missing and and Watson's like, "Well, he's got an interest in this, but here, get this information." 
I was thinking to myself, like, if he's interested in it, why is he? Because all the Sherlock Holmes things I've seen, it's like, oh, something's piqued my interest. Okay, let's figure it out. Not, yes. This has piqued my interest. Eh, you deal with it. And if you'd gotten one more episode, one of the consequences of being Sherlock Holmes is when you encounter the magic tome that can drive you insane and it piques your interest and you're already a drug addict, it fucks you sideways. Okay. That, that, that ignites a little bit of fuel to maybe move on because that's, that explains one of the things I think that was probably part of what was missing. Although I do agree with what Mike was saying was use it as a ignition point, you know, Here's Holmes, here's Watson, and then, oh, wait, we've, we're pretty good at this. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do our own thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe they mention them, but they don't interact with them. Like it's mm-hmm. their show. So yeah, I yeah. can see either way. And they are doing a little bit, especially at the beginning with the slow burn, where there's almost too many mysteries going on. You've got, uh, why does Jesse have powers? You've got, uh, what is the whole deal with Holmes and Watson? Why don't you see Holmes? Why don't you see Watson? Where are all these supernatural powers coming from? Yeah. And why it, do it, kids it, enjoy Cinnamon Toast Crunch? <laughs> it takes a while to get there. It, it, it does. I ask why, try bud dry. So. Sorry. <laughs> it, I do give it a lot of credit for their production values because the special effects were solid. The acting was all pretty solid. Um, I, you know, I don't really have any complaints about the look or, or feel or even the, the, the quality of acting in the show. You know, I thought that was all pretty, pretty on point. What did you think, Pat? I don't know that I ever really heard too much out of what you I said well i said something at the very beginning of the this half but yeah i mean it's it's a it's a well done show um the acting is good the cinematography is good uh the writing you know every i mean it, honestly everything is great but it just didn't really like capture my attention maybe it is like josh said because it's such a slow burn and you know if i w- did get to maybe the third episode i would be interested but knowing that it's already been canceled and they didn't even finish the story arc they were going for in the first season i'm just not interested in watching anymore mm. i've got other things i need to watch before i want to watch something that's going to just ultimately you know just end unfulfillingly like ultraman yeah, mm. I've I've watched another Ultraman in in the, in the past week, sir. That's what I'm saying. You know, you were pretty gung ho about that. So well, I wouldn't say gung ho. He's at least gung. Yeah, <laughs> I was whelmed. <laughs> Fair enough. So are we ready for uh, thumbs up, thumbs down? I think we are. Yeah, I'll go ahead and just do the obvious thumbs down for the original and thumbs up for the now. Yeah, for me, it's the same and probably even more obvious. I I was disappointed by the opening 30 seconds of the Baker Street Boys and it never got better. <laughs> and uh but i, I like the original uh, the irregulars from the beginning and uh because I, I was I, I like plague doctors monster of the week is good and i like victorian stuff like this is not even the only victorian supernatural show i'm watching right now so What's the other one the nevers on hbo oh okay well, which i think is great. actually the better of the two but real quick the last thing i want to say about the baker street boys is i've mentioned this several times before on other shows we've done and i like watching mystery movies and just kind of turning my brain off and not trying to figure it out and just going along and being sucked up in the mystery and you know and at the end it, when it's all revealed just be like oh okay cool well i immediately <laughs> was like that old woman was, was i was like well that old woman is not an old woman that's a fake old woman <laughs> and it ruined the whole thing for me i'm like well, this sucks. She's a man, baby. <laughs> it was so wow. obvious. I'm like, Ugh. so that's the last thing I want to say about that. Yeah. Fair enough, governor. Sorry to interrupt your thumbs up, thumbs downs. Oh, yeah, I, I wanted think... to say that. I- I'm done. You know, they can go. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, well, for the, the original show, it's a thumbs down, even though it was a little bit fun for nostalgia purposes, but not enough to give it a thumbs up. And the new show, I definitely give it a thumbs up. And after, uh, hearing what Josh said, I may actually, may actually at some point work through a couple more episodes, see if it, uh, catches my interest. Yeah, I'm a thumbs down on the original one because I watched this stuff when I was in grade school when there was a, a uh, substitute teacher. And uh, this the new one, I want to say I'm thumbs down, but Josh has got me intrigued. I, I may revisit it because the first couple episodes that I watched, I was not intrigued. I was not uh, brought into the world at all. So we'll see what happens. I'll go back and take another look. Okay, well, I have accomplished selling you guys on watching more TV, which is weird because I don't watch that much TV. But <laughs> in any case, if you have your thoughts about the Nevers or you have your theories on why it was canceled or what, what the deal was or what it would have been if it gotten a few more, uh, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep, and if you'd uh, like to hear more of us, we're on Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Blueberry, Stitcher. We're on Podbean all over the world. You can find us. You go to the wilds of Siberia, lift a leaf, and we'll be there for you to comfort you, make you feel at home. Or you can go on our uh, home on the web, 40go14.com, and find all our new shows. Subscribe, leave us a review, and you can also, if you would like, uh, find us on Ko-fi, uh, K-O-F-I. Uh, it's on all of the show notes links. Uh, donate to us. Help us keep the server costs at bay and keep the show running. Thank you. You're welcome. Don't see your name on the donate list, jerk. I work here. <laughs> you could not have found a better response to that. <laughs> but yeah, we will be back, uh, Joel, next I'm week. I'm not with even what? supposed to be here today. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to be talking about uh, the joy of conventions, which is something we, we all enjoy. Yeah. And uh, pirates. Sadly, no ninjas, but plenty of pirates. Maybe pirate conventions. I don't know. Yeah future is unwritten. We'll see what happens. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. They're 500 thread count Wamsutta uh, temperature control sheets, so I don't sweat as much. Temperature controlled? Yeah, they're like made to cool you down while you sleep. It's got like some kind of uh, thermal threading in it that it was supposed to wick away heat. Nice. When yeah. I said Wamsetta, all I heard was Wayuga. I'm like, it's made of beef? That's Waigu. Whatever. You're thinking of what's the matter? What's the matter, you? No, what's that's a uh, green horseradish. You're thinking of.
she ever finds out. 